Minutes after Allie Lowitzer stepped off her school bus, she vanished. That was in 2010. She hasn't been seen since. The police couldn't crack it. Three private eyes couldn't find her. But someone somewhere knows what happened to this Texas teenager. Alexandria Lowitzer, Allie, loved her new job. It was the first time the 16-year-old had her own money to spend. April 26, 2010 was just another Monday. Just like every other 16-year-old sophomore, Allie didn't want to wake up for school. And she dragged herself out of bed, got ready, and hopped on the bus. From there, it was about a half-hour ride to Spring High School. The Lowitzer family lived in Spring, Texas, a small town about 25 miles north of Houston. It was a bustling suburb, 55,000 people strong at the time. Even though she had the night off, Allie wanted to make some extra money. She'd been working at a restaurant called The Burger Barn for three weeks, and she had a paycheck waiting for her. So she texted her mom with a unique request. Allie wanted to walk to Burger Barn after school to pick up her check and maybe work an extra shift. The restaurant was only a quarter mile from their house, half a mile at the most. It wasn't too far of a walk, but that wasn't the issue. The restaurant was in a strip mall off a busy four-lane street with no sidewalks. Now, normally, Allie got a ride to and from work. Against her better judgment, Joanne said, okay. Allie was a very responsible girl. She was always in contact with her friends and family. The teenager texted like the wind, averaging 4,000 messages a month. And she didn't go anywhere or do anything anything without telling someone. Cameras showed Allie leaving school around 2.25 p.m. About 30 minutes later, cameras on the school bus showed her stepping off with two boys. They claim Allie was walking behind them, but nothing about that seemed weird. She was looking down at her phone texting. Her last message went out at 2.57 p.m. After that, she went silent. All conversations stopped. Joanne got home from work around 5.30. The house was empty. Allie wasn't home, nor was Allie's 18-year-old half-brother, Mason. She called Mason, asking if Allie ever came back after school. He said he didn't see his sister. He left just as the bus was pulling away, but he left the door unlocked for her since Allie had forgotten her keys. Joanne's motherly instinct kicked in. She had told Allie to text her if she was going to pick up a shift. That way, Joanne would know when to pick her up. She texted her daughter, but got no answer. She called but Allie's phone went straight to voicemail. The Burger Barn closed at 9 p.m. It usually took the staff about 30 minutes to clean up and go home. So Joanne left the house shortly after 9, hoping to catch Allie as she mopped the floor. But to her heartbreaking surprise, the restaurant was dark, locked up tight, no Allie. Joanne called her ex-husband, Allie's father, John. He hadn't seen their daughter either. He tried to calm Joanne down. Allie was probably at a friend's house with a dead phone, but nothing about that made sense to Joanne. Yes, Allie was a social butterfly with plenty of friends, but she was also a homebody. The Lowitzer house was the hangout spot. Joanne started calling Allie's friends and co-workers. Nobody had any answers for her. The last people to see the 16-year-old were the two boys from the school bus. Allie's house was only about three doors down from the bus stop. In the other direction was the burger barn. That's the direction Allie was headed, away from her house, according to the boys. Her family spent hours driving around town, checking in with anyone who might have seen her, but it was like the girl had just vanished. This was highly unlike Allie. The Lowitzers finally called the police around 11 p.m. Typically, a missing teenage girl says runaway to officers, especially if there's no evidence she's in danger. They told the Lowitzers to wait until the morning. If Allie still wasn't home, 
call them back. The thing is, Allie wasn't a troubled teen looking for an escape. She was part of the softball team, choir, and Girl Scouts. And then there was the fact that nothing was missing from Allie's room. No sign that she wouldn't be back. Her clothes and makeup were where she'd left them. What little cash she had was still safely tucked away. And most importantly, her phone charger hadn't been touched. Think about the significance of that. 4,000 texts per month work out to more than 100 messages per day. This is a girl who needs her charger. What teenage girl would run away without her money, makeup, and clothes without her paycheck? The fact that nobody had heard from Allie since 3 p.m. was borderline impossible. When the sun came up the next morning, there was still no sign of the high school sophomore. By 9 a.m., Joanne was back in touch with the police, but they dug their heels into the runaway theory. She felt like she was screaming into the void. A girl doesn't just get off the school bus and walk until her feet give up. If the police weren't going to help, the Lowitzers decided to track their daughter down themselves. John went to Burger Barn to see if Allie ever made it there. She didn't. The shift manager said they never saw her. Her paycheck was still sitting in the office. The burger barn didn't have cameras, but the gas station across the street did. John spent all afternoon watching the tapes. Unfortunately, the quality wasn't the best. He never saw Allie walk by. And if she'd made it anywhere near the burger barn, she would have been caught on camera. Her dad figured if the police took a look, maybe they'd see something he didn't. Maybe they could run down the license plates or something on the tape would prove to be a clue later. So he handed over a copy of the gas station security tape from that day. Unfortunately, the tape was lost. And just like Allie, it was never seen again. Joanne took a more tech-heavy approach. Allie's phone didn't have GPS tracking data. Thankfully, their family plan through AT&T did. Sort of. Joanne called the company, hoping they could locate Allie's phone. They had good news and bad news. The good news was they had some information about her last text. It was sent at 2.57 p.m. from the area around the bus stop. So... What did her message say? Allie asked her friend Jay if he wanted to come over to her house and hang out later. He said he couldn't. He had things to do. And while that sounds innocent and almost meaningless, it only supports the theory she was abducted. Why would Allie ask someone to hang out if she planned on running away? The bad news was that her phone either ran out of charge or was turned off seconds after she sent her last message. It didn't ping again outside their neighborhood where the bus dropped her off. A week later, Joanne and John brought what they'd learned to the police. Still, authorities were convinced that Allie ran away. They cited old journal entries they found while searching her room. But what teenage kid doesn't threaten to run away from home at least once? The police upgraded Allie from runaway to endangered runaway. But that was about it discouraged would be an understatement. Joanne was fired up. That's when a friend pointed her toward the Laura Recovery Center. The center helps families look for their missing or abducted children. It was founded in Friendswood, Texas after 12-year-old Laura Smither was abducted and murdered near her home in 1997. The center brought some much-needed attention to Allie's case. The media got involved, forcing the Harris County Sheriff's Department to turn the case over to the Homicide Division about a month after Allie vanished. Usually, the most dangerous people are people you know. 64% of the time, a woman is killed by a family member or an intimate partner. In this case, that meant the Lowitzer family had to be ruled out as suspects. Harris County Homicide flipped the house upside down. They scrutinized Joanne and John, though Mason got it the worst. They allegedly questioned him for hours about his half-sister's disappearance. 
They gave them all polygraphs, which they all passed. John was cleared, but strangely, Mason wasn't officially ruled out. However, there seems to be absolutely no reason to believe he had anything to do with Allie's disappearance. The police never named a suspect. They had no clues, no evidence. Weeks passed, then months, then years. Joanne and John finally turned to a string of private investigators to help find Allie. The first one came up empty. They basically took Joanne's money and ran. The next two explored some promising leads. The first PI to come up with something solid was Max Sanford. He had his eye on a convicted predator named Brandon Laverne. The theory gained traction when a witness claimed they saw Allie talking to someone in a white truck on the side of the road. In May 2012, a college student in Louisiana named Mickey Shunick was riding her bike when she went missing. Police found her decomposing body three months later. Thirteen years before that, another young woman, Lisa Ann Pate, disappeared in Louisiana, only to turn up under some boards in an overgrown field. The same man was convicted for both murders. 33-year-old Brandon Laverne. It seems Brandon had family ties to Spring, Texas. Mac also claims he has evidence putting Brandon within a mile of Allie's house the day she went missing. His M.O. also matched the likely scenario, that a stranger approached and abducted Allie on her way to work. Things got a little weird when they pushed the tipster for details about Allie and this white truck. They said they wrote down the plate number, but lost it days later. So, Mac's team put them under hypnosis, and while hypnotized, the witness managed to remember part of the license plate. Conveniently, that partial plate matched Brandon's white truck. Brandon's truck was found abandoned and burned to a crisp about an hour outside of town in June 2012. Is Brandon the guy? Did he do to Allie what he did to the two other girls? The sheriff says no. Brandon was working on an offshore oil rig on April 26, 2010. They don't think he had anything to do with Allie's disappearance. Max Sanford's next lead pulled him to Juarez, Mexico. A girl that looked like Allie was spotted there. But, according to Joanne, nothing ever came of it. His leads dried up, so the Lowitzers turned to a new PI, Amber Kamek, founder of Houston's Voice for the Missing. Her investigation led her to a brothel in Columbus, Ohio. As of 2023, Ohio ranks fourth among U.S. states for human trafficking. If Allie was abducted into a trafficking ring, Ohio would be a likely destination. Amber went undercover to see what she could find. Someone eventually recognized Allie's picture and said, oh, that's Alley Cat. Alley Cat was one of Allie's many nicknames. Amber dug deeper. At the brothel, she swore she saw someone who looked like Allie. She even had the same scar on her forehead, but Amber couldn't risk blowing her cover, so she took her information to the Columbus police. Unfortunately, it took them a month to obtain a search warrant and raid the brothel. By then, Alley Cat was long gone. A while later, police picked up this Alley Cat person, though she looked like Ali Lowitzer. It wasn't her. Perhaps the most heartbreaking detail of Allie's case is watching Joanne let go of the last bit of tangible hope 
she had. When they began working together, Amber gave Joanne a good idea. She said to switch Allie's number to a new phone. That way, if someone tried to call her, Joanne could answer. She'd been paying about $60 a month to keep Allie's phone active since she went missing. That's nearly $9,000 to keep the line alive since her daughter vanished in 2010. Unfortunately, nobody worth their time ever called. It was mostly spam and telemarketers. Joanne got sick of the spam calls and kept the phone off. As the price of groceries, gas, and bills went up, Joanne had to make cuts. Joanne canceled the phone line on January 24th, 2023 after 13 years. Allie Lowitzer is still missing today. If you have any information about Allie's case, please contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children immediately. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.